The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of our Lord. All right, so the Bible verse that we had today for the, for the Gospel lesson, Matthew 28, the last verses, um, very popular, very famous, very important verses for us as Christians. And there's a, there, there might be a, a name or a title to those verses. So for those that are gathered here today, does anybody remember or have a, an idea about what we call those last verses, what we call the, the, the Gospel lesson that we read today? What's its title? This is, what's that? The Great, the Great Commission. All right, so today we have the Bible verses from the Great Commission. Um, and here's the question, and it's been on my mind this week, is what does those Bible verses and the Great Commission have to do with Holy Trinity Sunday celebration? Why would they bring those two pieces together? That was as lingering in my mind since we had our pericope study. Why those two? Um, how does they relate? Well, since the ninth century, it was somewhere in the ninth century, uh, I think it was like 904 was in the, um, the gentleman who put together the liturgy, that they started remembering the Trinity in a special worship service. At that point, the Pope gave, Pope gave an allowance for the church to use it across the board if they wanted to, this service, to remember the Holy Trinity, because otherwise the church did it just on a daily basis. We remembered the Holy Trinity in our prayers, remembered it in our Bible lessons in a variety of ways, but to have a special Sunday, it was allowed for in that ninth century. I can't find what the Bible lessons were for that. But what I do know is that in the late 1990s, when, we were, when they were gathering this thing called our lectionary and having Bible lessons for every Sunday on a three-year rotation, that we have Matthew chapter 28, these verses 16 to 20, the last verses in there. And, um, and still, how do they relate? Why did they choose those? And moving in towards an answer to that, I want to start off with having you guys help me out with some, some gestures or some symbols, and then you tell me, what, what you remember them or know them to be, all right? So if I was to hold up this symbol to you, this gesture to you, what would you say this would mean? This is, you get to talk to me. This is a group thing. Peace. Peace, right? All right? So how about if you were my, my grandparents' age? Victory. Victory. Wow, we're, we're only two generations apart. So my grandparents, when they held this up, they remembered that he lost his friends and some of his family. Some of them were killed. Some of them were captured. Um, didn't have a whole lot of affection for one of the, the southern um, groups because they didn't treat people the way the Europeans did, and he had a dislike. But victory, the cost, the sacrifice, the hardship endured to have the chance to be victorious came a great price. Later on, we have peace. Oh, that's just easy. That's free, and it's loving, and all that other stuff. But one symbol... Two different kind of emphasis, right? Here's another one. How about this? If I give you this, what would you say? Good 
Good jobs, kind of like thumbs up. What else? What else goes along with this? It's generally all positive. Giga Maggies. Oh my gosh. I'm not an Aggie. I went to the University of Arizona, but yes, the Aggies would say gigum. Um, I heard that a lot a few, not too long ago. Gigum. Um, but yeah, way to go. What's that? Facebook. It's a like. It's a like on Facebook? Oh, we got way to go. Facebook in it. So thumbs up. Someone said that, you know, um, like they we're okay. Like, good job. Well, if you ever notice me, if I'm saying good job, so if I'm ever, if I ever want to say okay to you, I'm going to do this. How many of you would know why I would do this rather than this? If you're scuba divers, how many scuba divers? Anybody in here scuba divers? When you're scuba diving, if you do this, it means you got to go up. It means this, we're okay, and this means we can do descent, right? But if you do this, it means go up. It doesn't mean we're okay. If you want to say you're okay, you got to do this. If you're on top of the water and the boat's way over there and you popped up over here, you got a symbol like this because you make a big circle with your arm. You say, I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, so different symbols, different meanings. How about if I do this? Yeah, school teachers, parents. You can, I, didn't even, I didn't make the sound. You know, that? I just did this and you guys added the shh. Right? So there's a gesture with that. We all know what that means. Um, this, time out. How about this? When do you, when do, you do this? A pledge, something from your heart, something you're making a statement with. Um, this, touchdown, and this. What is this? Sign of the cross. All right, we know the sign of the cross. So all these gestures are very common. We know what a cross looks like. That's bridge. That's the bridge, the cross part, into the symbols. We know what words accompany the gesture. When I go this part, it means Father, and I come down here, Son, and we say, Holy Spirit, right? The gesture just isn't gesture. There's meaning to it. And today we're going to remember. Even though I think we often forget. We might even make the gestures in worships. We might make the gestures when we go by holy places. We might make the gestures remembering that we're baptized and who we are as Christians a lot. But today I want to stop and pause and remember what we believe. The vertical beam. It begins in the air. It's not connected. Starts up here, but it ends in the earth. Almost like if you're taking, if you're the flag bearer of an army, you take that post with that flag on it, and you take that and you jam it in the ground, and you're at that forwardmost point and it says, Here we are. God's taken that cross from here and drove that post into the earth. And in that post symbolizes the Holy Trinity that is coming from heaven to earth, that it is symbolizing our Heavenly Father coming to us, our our Lord Jesus Christ coming from here to us, the Holy Spirit coming from heaven to us. It is a downward emphasis at that point, God coming to us. This vertical beam of the cross begins in heaven, firmly planted in the world, for our sake, not just some random act, but God stuck that cross into the ground because God loves us and God saves us, and that's what it costs to bring us home in the end. The vertical beam symbolizes love. It symbolizes forgiveness. It symbolizes um, relationship that is coming to us and is connecting to us because we have need on earth, and so God comes from here to here on this cross. There's a special Lutheran understanding and emphasis on this cross, and it has to do with even, it's kind of like bound and woven into it all, is that Lutherans in the ancient church, we baptize babies. 
symbolism is related to this cross because when we baptize babies, we're remembering that God comes to us when we can't, that God loves us when we can't. When we are helpless and, and, and almost in some ways useless, God says we are beautiful and we are cherished and we are worth everything sacrificed for. We baptize babies. When you, when you have a baby, that baby can't live apart from you. When you're holding that baby, unless you feed it, it's going to starve. Unless you change its diapers, it's going to be dirty if it had any food. Unless you put clothes on it, it will be cold or hot. If you don't take care of it, it will lay in the dirt and bugs will get it, animals will get it, it will die, it will perish. But you do everything. And that baby's not doing anything in return, is it? It's just laying there and smiling occasionally, crying sometimes. But it's just your delight in the child. It is your delight in the child. Your joy as a parent is the beauty of this child. Your child or another child, it all affects us the same way. So as Lutherans, we baptize that because we, we want to make sure that we know and we remember that it's not about us getting smart enough to go to heaven. It's not about us getting works enough and we've read the Bible enough and we have faith enough and we have all the knowledge that can understand all these things. We don't need to know anything. A baby doesn't need to know anything. We just receive it. Eventually, when you're lucky as parents, your little baby will say mama or dad. Maybe call out however they call you as grandma, grandma, grandpa, whatever. They have cute little names, babies. If you're really lucky, eventually the baby might say, I love you. How beautiful it is when the little child gets to the age where they can say, love you, mommy. Love you, daddy. Amazing what happens to us as parents when our children tell us they love us. Oh, my gosh. All the things that they've broken in our house. All the scratches and holes and dents and stuff that they've done, the bad decisions, they just kind of melt away when they say, love you, Dad. When they say thank you, oh my goodness, makes you want to pour everything else you have. There's echoes of all of that relationship when you think about that vertical penis of the cross, God coming from here to here. Romans chapter 5.10, Paul knew this too. He said, For if while we are yet enemies with God, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. While you were an enemy with God, He reconciled you to Himself by the death of His Son on the cross. While you were still an enemy. Much more now that you are reconciled, shall you be saved um, by His life. But the whole start to that is, while you were an enemy, God was saving you. It's top down. Luther, in his explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed, goes into this even more. He says, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to Him. I can't do anything. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified me, and kept me in true faith. That is all God's doing. We are the children we have received. It's top down as a vertical aspect of this cross. But there's another part to the cross. It's the horizontal. And we'll remember that today too. The cross suspended, this horizontal beam is suspended and supported by the vertical beam. If there's no vertical beam, the horizontal beam lays on the dirt. If we were building one of those to use, because they were tools of torture, that vertical beam is what keeps it off the earth. The horizontal beam is suspended by that vertical beam. That in itself is a lesson for us. The horizontal beam symbolizes also a great commission. 
the Holy Spirit part when we make the Holy Spirit symbol going across. We call ourselves Christians and we claim Jesus to be our Lord. And is it the horizontal beam of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that reminds us of our response as Christians? Because in that horizontal response, we remember that we are to love like God the Father loved, that He sent His, His Son. That if you ever wonder if you, if you have value, if you ever wonder if you are loved, if you matter in this world, if you have any doubts of those things, then just look at the cross and say, God loves you this much. And you can imagine nails here and here, this much you are loved. But you can also imagine that you're to love that much too. Because you make the cross here and here and here and here. Your body's in the shape of a cross. You make a hug gesture like this. If I approach you from across the room and I approach you like this, you know what I'm after. I just want a hug. I want you to know that that I love you and you love me. And that in that hug, we're no longer separate. We're now together. That anything that has divided us has has been removed. That's the cross. That's the horizontal being. It symbolizes our reaching out to others as Christ has reached out to us. The horizontal beam symbolizes the command of Jesus. Matthew 28 is not, please do so, it's to do this. The command of Jesus, to love one another as we have been loved by Jesus. No matter the cost. You think it's too much to love somebody? Just look at the nails pierced marks on Jesus. We love. The horizontal beam reminds us that we are completely dependent upon God who suspends us in that vertical beam. That as we reach out to love, as we reach out to hug, as we get embraced as well, and all that interaction, that that's taking place because God has first blessed us with himself in the horizontal beam. And we are suspended by that beam. Church. So how is it that the Holy Trinity is related to the Great Commission? I would say it's the cross. Right in the middle of it all. We have Holy Trinity and we have the Great Commission and bridging those heaven to earth and person to person is a cross. We believe in the God the Father and we believe in God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. We believe that God has come down from heaven and He has planted Himself in this earth and He reaches out to all creation with love. And He shows us the way of holiness and He shows us the way of truth and He shows us the way of life. If you're missing holiness and you're missing truth and you're missing life, go back to the Father. Remember the cross. Go to the cross. And we know this God. And we remember this God every weekend. Because this God is in us and around us. And we are in Him. But now that Holy Trinity in the cross leads us to the last piece of the Great Commission. We are to make God known. We are to make that vertical aspect of the cross known. We are to make the horizontal aspect of the cross known. That is our reason and purpose. The shape of our being reflects that very purpose. That is who we are. That is what we're purposed to be and to do. So people of God, having received the Holy Spirit, having received the Holy Trinity, think this day, think this week, how is it that I could present that truth to the people around me, starting with my family, starting with those closest to me, then my neighbors, then my coworkers, and then just people on the road that might have an opportunity. How can you be that person that shares that cross to them in your holy living, 
and your honesty and your integrity and your God-inspired love to people even if you don't even know them. And how about with some apostolic-inspired determination? Because those, those apostles, they were surely inspired and they were determined. Because not every place they went to that they received their message very well, but they didn't quit going. Know the Trinity. Make the Trinity known. The last couple of weeks we've said, know Jesus, make Jesus known. It's Trinity Sunday. We'll make it bigger. Know the Holy Trinity. Make the Holy Trinity known. God help us be that people and that church. Amen.